Hey everybody, this is Martin and you're listening to Healing Together, a podcast that connects you to me and some of my amazing friends, where we hope that our stories will bring you comfort, inspiration and healing. I want to give you a behind the scenes view of people's lives, both the ordinary and extraordinary. And I think that you will realize that most often moving through struggle relies on finding a way to shine a light on some of the darkest corners of your heart. And through this, we can build strength and therefore remain open, kind and grateful. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of Healing Together. Thank you all so much for the feedback from the last three episodes. I will be going through some of that feedback in time and certainly with today's guest who very kindly sent me some feedback on episode three this morning. And before we get into that, I would like to introduce you to the lovely Ali Goldie. Ali, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. I'm nervous, but that's okay. Um, my talking about myself is my favorite thing to do, but this is a bit of a, a different level of talking about myself, I think. Wow. I really appreciate you bravely coming to the podcast studio today. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makeshift, but hey, it works. It does. Just. <laughs> <laughs> the lovely Amram came in before uh calmly mm. calmly yeah. yeah plenty of time between stimulus and response as <laughs> as is the case with Amram these days uh much much more pleasant to be around and definitely much more of a help <laughs> anyway I don't think either of us could have set it up <laughs> I can barely use it <laughs> we know what we're good at we do yeah yeah and to that end, I don't need to ask you how you really are, which I normally would do with guests. And that's because you, being a counsellor, will answer that question genuinely and mm -hmm. as honestly as you possibly can. Absolutely. So thank you. Um, so Ali is a 36-year-old mum of two, uh, two beautiful girls. And she lives in Armathwaite, where she practices as a counsellor. And that's one of the reasons that I have asked Ali to be on the podcast today. Uh, so I'm just going to give you a little bit more information about how I met Ali and how we got to where we are today. And then Ali's going to give us the full story. There we go. Take a sip of your wine. Now, <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before we do anything, I always like to start the podcasts with some breath work. Really, really simple. Just to help with those nerves that mm. we're both experiencing at the moment. So, we're going to do a really simple three, four, five breath um, for this. And I want everyone to join us who's listening to the podcast. So if you can either sit yourself up straight or lie down. And please, if you're driving or operating any machinery, then don't do this because you need to concentrate on what you're doing. Um, but everybody else, just take a moment now. Get yourself in position. Ali too. 
and we're going to take a breath in and out to prepare. And we're going to inhale for a count of three, two, one. Holding your breath for four, three, two, one. And exhaling for five, four, three, two, one. Slight pause, we'll do that again. Inhaling for three, two, one. Holding the breath for four, three, two, one. Exhaling a nice sigh for five, four, three, two, one. Slight pause, and then we'll do one more. Inhaling for three, holding for four, and exhaling for five, two, one, and a breath in and out just to come back. <sighs> nice. Okay. Good. Much calmer. Much calmer. So simple, just three breaths. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ali and I met around six years ago. Okay. And this was in the earlier years of my counselling practice. I think I'd been up and running then about a year, 18 mm -hmm. months, around about that time, post-qualification anyway. And we worked together for a few months. Yeah, it wasn't that long, was it? As a client. As clients, yes. Well, as client and counsellor, yeah. yeah. And then from there, and I'll, you can obviously share in a moment what, what that was for, as much as you want to. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, Ali started coming to my yoga classes. And then that moved us really into the next stage of, of our relationship mm -hmm. um, which you know I think we managed quite well um, at that stage you became friends with some people that that I knew and also mm -hmm. became friends with and we ended up then having to renegotiate our relationship to accommodate some work that we were doing together yeah. uh, and then from then we kind of started to develop more of a friendship and uh, I w was concerned at the time that I wasn't kind of overstepping any boundaries uh, in terms of my profession and making sure that I was being aware of what was right for both of us. But particularly for you, I felt quite a lot of responsibility at that time okay. as a, as a, with you being an ex-client. But mm. we, we'd, we'd done quite well up until that point managing that. And um, my supervisor reassured me that after a certain amount of time, you know, you can develop, you can. The BACP, the regulatory body that I am a member of, guides for, I think it's two years um, before you would develop a, a more personal relationship following the end of, uh, okay. of client therapy. I slash. always love it if someone tells me that they have to take more to supervision. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't the first time. <laughs> She's a challenging one, this one. <laughs> I said she turned her shit into fertilizer. And <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, and then uh, you delighted me by letting me know that you were thinking of becoming a counsellor. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, I think it was where our relationship, well, we, we agreed earlier on when we had a chat that that was where our relationship definitely took more of an equal footing. Yeah. And, you know, since then, you've been incredibly supportive to me as a friend, as a colleague. Um, and definitely it, it does feel like it's got that more um, equal yeah. Uh, yeah. dynamic now. And so here you are today. So one of the main reasons that I asked Ali to be on the podcast was indeed because of the way in which we've had to evolve our relationship and uh, attend to the relationship's needs as we moved in different ways through our lives. And, um, you know, I think one of the, the unique uh, features of our relationship, uh, which mirrors who we are as individuals, of course, um, is that you know we will push boundaries and mm. and we'll work at those edges. And you know, I'll speak for myself here and and my part in the relationship, but I think we put a lot of care and attention into working at those edges to make sure mm-hmm. that it's safe and that it attends to all of the different considerations and the fact that we're sitting here today six years on from meeting as a as a client and as a counselor uh having you know a very fulfilling Mm -hmm. um and varied relationship i I think we've done well absolutely Um, not without the effort and the nurture absolutely to get there yeah yeah and and that you know that that was one of the main reasons and and i'm sure we'll come on to that in more detail but why i felt that you being on the podcast today and us talking about our relationship and and certainly you know other parts of your life Mm -hmm. would be a real gift to the listeners because evolving as a relationship requires you to is such an important part things change mm-hmm. and we've got to work hard at, at meeting back in uh, I mean maybe not the middle but certainly you know finding each other again given all of the mm-hmm. changes that, that happen in our lives individually and, and finding that that place of connection that's healthy mm. and I'm very proud that, that we have done that yeah me too and, yeah. and I think it's also a good example of not needing to sort of follow the rules as such or not needing to do what is in inverted commas you're supposed to and that doesn't necessarily mean it's negative absolutely um convention i think is there for perhaps people who can't necessarily trust themselves or Mm. maybe put the hard work in to um to work in a more nuanced way and so you rely on the rules, on the conventions, mm. etc., almost like kind of moral guidance, I suppose. Yeah, security blanket. Yeah, yeah, and okay. don't get me wrong, that that felt helpful for me when I was looking at all of these different ways in which our relationship was evolving. You mm-hmm. know, you were one of the first clients that I taught yoga to, following being a, a counselling client, mm-hmm. and you know, so as I said, I took you to supervision quite a few times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, and then working together, and mm. and 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 of course, I knew a lot about you that maybe people in those other spheres mm-hmm. that we were inhabiting didn't, and so the confidentiality 
aspect of it was important but then not being so restrictive that we couldn't relax and yeah. and get the most out of these new um forms of our relationship and what and what was needed mm-hmm. there so um that definitely was was one of the main reasons that i asked you on the podcast mm-hmm. but of course you coming to me and, and us having the type of relationship that we have very much depends on you and your life you know you're, mm-hmm. you're 50 percent of this relationship and part of why i want you in my life and and find that fulfilling is because of your story mm. and and who you are and what got you here and um, I, th- I think it's very inspiring for people to hear mm-hmm. how you got to this place that you're at right now. And uh, I'd mentioned in the, um, the teaser for today's episode last time that, you know, you, you, you definitely for me have been one of those people who can turn the shit in your life into fertilizer. Mm. And that's always inspiring for people to hear. And so... I wanted to, first of all, hand over, well, not first of all, but now, hand over to you to let us know a bit more of your story, perhaps up until the point that we met, mm-hmm. and so that we can get to know Ali Goldie mm-hmm. just that bit better. Ali Goldie, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, one of my sort of default positions when I get nervous or when I get... Um, out of my comfort zone you know well, we often are talking about it with clients a lot that we, we move back into our sort of limiting beliefs that we had um and one of those definitely for me is that sort of who's going to want to listen to my story or who's you know what can I bring back I've, you know I've done a lot of work so um, I'm quieting that voice mainly through this glass of wine <laughs> um so I obviously don't have a particularly Cumbrian accent um I was born in the Cotswolds well Swindon actually technically not the Cotswolds but we don't talk about that um I lived in the Cotswolds um and my childhood was okay you know it's um it was very middle class it was um fine but it lacked um a lot of the warmth and the the main I would say the main human needs, you know, the, the, the important bits. Okay. Um, so I did, I, I struggled quite a lot. Um, I was quite angry for a lot of my childhood. I didn't really realise. When I'm talking childhood, I'm talking sort of into teens and okay. looking for fulfilment in relationships in the wrong places and all that kind of thing that, that we do. Yeah. Um, and I sort of had various, I never really had any idea of what I really wanted to do. I didn't have a passion, you know, I had interests, but I didn't have a passion, I didn't really understand myself or what I wanted out of life, um, so I would often just go along with what other people want, I had a sort of string of, I had a job I really enjoyed for a while, um, I worked in a stationery shop, and it's like an adult sweet shop, isn't (laughs) it, um, loved that, um, so I've sort of jumped ahead a little bit, I went to, obviously went to school, um, I then went to I was I went to a sixth form that was not my choice I was sort of made to go to it and um, absolutely hated it became very very miserable um it was full of people that can get a hundred percent in their advanced maths a levels but had absolutely no clue about the world or life or anything around it so 
I took it upon myself to lower their league tables, um, lower their averages, which I did quite successfully. Um, that, uh, that anger kind of making its way through. <laughs> yes, yes. But complete unaware. You know, I was so unaware of my own process, so unaware of why I felt the way I felt or, or you know, why I didn't connect with people, why I didn't feel like I fitted in anywhere. Um, and then I had a year off and absolutely wasted it living with a silly boy um working in a call center you know complete waste of time and then i went to university mainly to get away from the silly boy um and at the time when i was at university my parents marriage started falling apart um so when i was in my second year and decided that shockingly what i was i was studying primary teaching shocking it wasn't what i wanted to do <laughs> you know because i had no clue about anything that i wanted and um, for parents that were quite pushy academically, they were busy getting divorced and fighting with each other. So it was quite an easy, like, by the way, I'm leaving university. Okay, bye. Uh, so dipped out of that. Then I was, was working in sort of pubs and uh, in a station shop. And I lived in a very small town. Um, and then um, I got invited to a friend's wedding in Australia, who um, I had known for a long time. Hadn't spoken to her for a long time, but got invited to her wedding and kind of thought, well, fuck it, I'm not doing anything else. Mm-hmm. I went along to the wedding and hooked up with her brother, who uh, lived in Carlisle, uh-huh. and then very swiftly moved up to Carlisle and ended up marrying this man. Um, it was a very quick um, relationship to marriage. Um, How long? So we met, obviously we'd known each other for years, but not stayed in contact or were particularly friends. Um, the, wed- the wedding was in the November of 2011. I moved to Carlisle in February 2012. Um, we were pregnant by the October. Right. I uh, had a miscarriage and then we got pregnant again, like weeks later. I remember, you know, going about pushing boundaries. I remember the midwife saying, you know, you can't you can't get pregnant again until you've had a full cycle. Mm-hmm. And I said, is that just so that you can date it? Or is there any health concerns? And she said, no, it's for dating. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> pregnant straight away. <laughs> um, we were engaged at this point. Um, so the, the whole um, relationship was extremely fast. Like I say, met... 2011, end of 2011, married, uh, moved up to start of 2012, baby, uh, September 2013, married 2014, second baby 2015. So within the space of, <coughs> uh, what, three and a half years? Mm, married with two children. Married with two children. Mm. And living in a totally different part of the country. Yeah, and I was really surprised at the culture shock of moving okay. to the north of England. Right. There's just so many differences and subtle things, like things that are fashionable down south are chavvy up north. And mm. the way that people behave and words that they used. I mean, I was told that my new brother-in-law was a wagon driver. And for years, I thought he drove one of those, like, gypsy wagons. Uh. Sort of round (laughs) gypsy Uh. wagons. Until I eventually was like, oh, 
lorries. <laughs> <laughs> but just all these little subtle things, you know, it took quite a bit of adjusting to. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, and never mind everything else that you were adjusting to at yeah. the same time. It's it's no wonder the the wagon comment took a few years. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it took it took quite a bit of adjusting with different relationships, you know, friendships. It, it, there was friends down south that um, got quite offended by my sort of upping and leaving um, friends that I thought were good friends, but then have sort of fell apart over the years or early on, you know, and then sort of suddenly going, oh, God, I need to make some new friends. I don't actually know anybody here. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reliant on my husband for a social life, for finances, for a house, for everything. Oh, wow. um, and I had, you know, I had moved out of home when I was 17. So, you know, 18, just 18, I think. Um, so I hadn't lived at home for years because I was 20. Oh, I can't do the math. Somebody listening will be able to do the math. So I was about 25. Okay, 27. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'd been a long time since yeah. I'd sort of relied yeah. on anyone. Um, I was very good at living by myself. I lived with a string of friends and various boys over the years, but enjoyed it i liked the independence so mm-hmm. to suddenly be so reliant on someone else was quite a shock to the system mm-hmm. as well as the culture shock so then when i had i struggled with my first child um she was a i mean much as people go on about how lovely babies are she was not a lovely baby <laughs> and um, obviously throughout my <laughs> work on myself i can understand a lot more about it but jesus christ just sleep child mm-hmm. you know ever <laughs> do you think she may have been picking up on a level of discontent within absolutely. you absolutely yes okay. yes a huge amount um also you know i've done the work in my own therapy to her like her birth story and things and she was oh. actually resuscitated when oh she was goodness. born and that can have a big impact but yeah i was not happy and settled and i think that does have a big impact and I had no idea what I was doing I didn't have friends with babies I didn't have any experience of babies yes elements come naturally like I need to keep this child alive but the advice I mean it's something I feel quite passionately about that the advice that we get given is just crap Mm -hmm. you know get this baby put this baby down get it to self-settle when I had my second that went out the window. I didn't even buy a Moses basket with the second one. She was in the bed. She was always in a sling. And she's such a more settled child. But then you could argue as well that I was more relaxed okay. as a mother. But having said this, it was after the second child that I was really struggling. And I came to see you. Because I thought there might have been some postnatal depression or something going on. Yeah, I mean, I from recollection. And are you okay us talking openly about Absolutely. your well the recollections of your therapy mm-hmm. from here yeah, I mean, it's yeah. your story right so there's the consent mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, I remember the, the the key things that I remember from when you came was the struggle with being a mom mm-hmm. and and who you were mm. um, and that perhaps coming very clearly into view into your view because of becoming a mother and how Mm. intensely you were feeling that kind of disconnection from yourself given what they required of you and kind of how did I get here I'm pretty sure was the expression that that, you know you were almost kind of in shock Mm. at at, at your your own life (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think, like, you know, in hindsight now, having, you know, it feels like a different lifetime when I talk about it now. But in hindsight, I don't, I didn't ever know who I was. I didn't ever have yeah. a semblance of identity. And then, you know, it's difficult enough for someone who does have some identity to have children. Uh-huh. And then, you know, your identity changes. But for me to go from not knowing who I was and then just being someone's mother and it just I don't know yeah it just blew my mind really mm-hmm. it was a, it was a real struggle with just sort of like you say well, how the fuck did I get to here uh-huh. how am I married with two children in a place that I don't really know streets I don't yeah. know where they are I, you know I was starting to get a few friends through work that you know one who's still a really close friend now and really value that friendship and but you know everything changing all relationships changing mm-hmm. friendships changing mm-hmm. and just sort of feeling very out of control i think that's one of the things that has really changed is that feeling of control over my own life now okay um even if realistically there's actually very little has changed in terms of what i do and you know i did have the control then uh-huh. i just didn't feel uh-huh. it yes yeah which felt is like life was happening to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah something that i don't recollect that we talked about when you first came was and it, it, it's kind of clear to me now having known you for for six years and, mm-hmm. and and i guess you understanding yourself more and seeing how different you are now but you talked to me well to us the listeners earlier on um about how when you were younger there was kind of that warmth lacking the mm. basic human needs certainly on an emotional level mm-hmm. uh weren't available enough mm-hmm. when you were younger do you think that that had anything to do with your sense of not being connected to yourself that, that, that yeah. you know those emotional needs being met is actually uh, a route to knowing yourself to trusting yourself to be able to have control over yourself well absolutely because i think the biggest part of human needs that needs met by parents or you know gardeners whoever it is that you're brought up by um is the acceptance full acceptance and acceptance as well as um really seeing you for who you are Mm -hmm. and accepting you for who you are and I don't think I wasn't seen for who I was so I didn't know who I was and I wasn't accepted for who I was so I didn't accept myself either and you know I can see all these patterns very very clearly now being you know six years on in the process but I think, you know, at the time, had we carried on further, you know, I think it would have come to light that I, I didn't, I just didn't know, mm-hmm. you know. I think even, you know, the therapist that I'm with now, um, who I've been with sort of solidly for almost three years, mm-hmm. so that's obviously about three years after I, I met with you. And even when I first started with him, I vividly remember my first session with him and just saying, I just don't know what's wrong. Yeah. I feel so unhappy. I feel so lost. I don't have anything to complain about. I've got two children. I've got, you know, we're financially okay. I've got a husband. I've, you know, I felt like this real middle-class whiny bitch. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't know what's wrong. But I had, I had no idea who I was. Absolutely no idea. Didn't know what I wanted. Didn't know why I was in this situation. Didn't know why I was in the relationship I was in. Mm -hmm. And that's become so clear over the last three years. You know, the therapy I've had, obviously with you and I, t- I tried a few different therapists after you um, and we had to sort of reevaluate the relationship and mm-hmm. then 
you know, when you connect with that one therapist that, you know, my therapist, he absolutely saved my life. Absolutely. Yeah. And not just saved it, but completely changed it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we all have to take credit for our own shit. But come on, some therapists are better than others. And <laughs> I think he's brilliant. Um, and, you know, now I'm at the point where I'm actually about to stop. Um, Wait, uh, sessions with therapy, him. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm not, it's not that I would never go back. And I'm sure there'll be times when I will. Uh-huh. But I've just taken such a forward movement in the last sort of six to 12 months that it's like, it feels okay. And that's when you know when it's okay to stop and you don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. quite often people feel like they need to stop when they're reliant on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually relying on it is okay, but it can feel really uncomfortable if you've not been able to rely on people in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I will often say to clients when they first come to me that my intention from the day that they arrive is that they will know when they don't need to come here anymore. Mm. And so I'm always working on uh, kind of giving back to the client what they've effectively subcontracted to me mm-hmm. while they find themselves again which is really what it's about you know I, I, yeah. I think that all in psychological disorders arise from a disconnection from who we really are yeah. whether that's not knowing who you are or not being able to be who you are yeah and it takes this is really interesting from what we said there about what was lacking from your early years when you were developing a sense of yourself mm-hmm. it takes the healthiest human relationship which is what i believe counseling is striving to be anyway mm-hmm. for people to recognize who they are mm-hmm. to finally see and feel who they are inside and in the safe space of that healthy relationship mm. with acceptance with you know genuine exchanges with bucket loads of empathy and care and warmth that they can remember who mm. they are again and once that connection is made and then the journey back outwards from connection to the world around them is is done through via the relationship the counseling relationship the therapeutic relationship whatever form it takes then for me the most effective therapy is saying i can do what you did for me as a therapist for myself now absolutely that's it yeah you give people back i like to think of the therapeutic relationship as like an example relationship of this is how it can be with either others or yourself. Mm -hmm. And if it's not like this with others, if it's not this fully accepting and you're able to fully be who you are, then it's not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether that is with yourself or with others. Um, It's a a role model, essentially, for how things can be. Like a parent. Yeah. It's a reparenting of you, by you, but using another parent perhaps to to do that i'm yeah. thinking of your transactional analysis oh, yeah. i could see your eyes lighting up there. Say, so yeah the model of um well i suppose we'll get there in a bit but yeah the, the i've trained in transactional analysis that's my kind of i mean integrative i use lots of different yeah. models but uh-huh. transaction analysis is always going to be my course but i really strongly believe in it i really like its model mm-hmm. um and part of that is this parent ego state and the nurturing parent part of that and i often tell clients that I'm not always in adult and adult with you. And this doesn't make a huge amount of sense to some people, but 
it's that actually sometimes I am a nurturing parent specifically because I'm talking to your inner child. Yes. I am giving your inner child that nurture that you didn't get, mm-hmm. but you can also give it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that can feel wonderful when mm. a client first experiences that sense of full acceptance. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's it's where all the magic happens you know i talk about love being infinitely more powerful than fear i'm astounded Mm. by the level of suffering people can go through and still survive and survive on you know in some instances with clients they've told me of one or two instances moments sometimes a glance from another person that showed them that they mattered wow and that's kept them alive Mm. you know moments of real connection with a genuinely caring other person sometimes not even the parents you know yeah and i think my goodness you've been starved and yet you only needed these little trinkets Mm -hmm. along the way mixed in with all of your shit and you're here and you're wanting to help yourself it's always in there that goodness is always and i would i can relate to a lot of that actually it's not something i've ever thought about before but yeah there's absolutely been moments over the years and i would say some of them were with you Mm -hmm. you know the um the way that you looked at me as a client the way that you genuinely you could tell like i was like he wants me to be here Mm -hmm. and when i was at that such a low place of thinking what the fuck like why am i even here literally yeah, you yeah. know becoming verging on suicidal at times yeah and you know the self-worth genuinely feeling that people would be better off if i wasn't here yeah but then to feel that like actually he wants me to be here he likes me being here mm-hmm. you know whether i'm pushing the boundaries and getting into your supervision and you know that's just a bonus but um <laughs> Yeah, I think being noticed, being seen, it is powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah. But I still, you know, I still agree that we can we can do that for ourselves as well. It doesn't have to be somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I I definitely have seen over the years, particularly these last 3, you increasingly be able to do that. Mm. And and I love it when I now hear you uh reflect on your own process live in our interactions mm-hmm. um like you did this morning when you messaged me that feedback you know when mm. i said to you thank you for the feedback and thank you for giving me that feedback mm-hmm. you know because thank you to you for putting yourself out there as you are you mm-hmm. know and it's just I, I hear you do that quite a lot in our relationship now and it's one of the gifts of being able to continue a relationship with somebody that that I've had that unique connection mm. with when you have been in such a vulnerable place and mm-hmm. for me to be even a witness from afar mm. you know as a as a as a, a kind of distant work colleague or as a I mean maybe not that far as a, as a yoga student but you know there's different forms what that... say about my yoga skills <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's quite hard to get close in a group of 20 people, (laughs) even though I can see everything. (laughs) I can't, I can't. I I think it's also, it's a really good example because obviously I think a lot of people worry about changing, you know, themselves, growing themselves and the worry, the impact that it's going to have on other relationships. But we've both, in the six years that we've known each other, we have both changed hugely. Individually, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. 
we've still been able to it's we've accepted the change in each other yes we have um, mutual sort of core beliefs but it could easily have gone one way or the other Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. and I think people worry a lot of people's worry about going into something like therapy is the impact it will have on other relationships yeah but when those relationships are right and when you put the effort in and when you can be accepting and open to other people's change and their struggles and their you know their core beliefs then then it's fine yes um yeah but i suppose a lot of our stuff that we've both done over the last six years is to be very accepting of ourselves and when you become accept yourself yeah what other people think really doesn't matter Mm-hmm. And it sounds so oversimplified, but it's so true. Absolutely, it definitely. You know, is. when I feel, you know, previously, if someone had said to me, "I don't like you," oh, it would have broken me, or I would have tried to prove that I wasn't whatever they thought I was. Well, and because you've been spending so long trying to probably prove to yourself who you thought well, you should be, and so for that to have fallen down so easily by somebody that you probably don't even know kind yeah. of ruining all of your hard work it'd be devastating yeah, and then you're like well who the fuck am I now so but now uh, that I really like myself that I really value myself um you know it's not to say that it, I don't care it's it's not nice mm-hmm. if someone says but it doesn't change how I feel about me and that's the big difference yeah is being able to you know we don't we don't go therapy to go through therapy and become these hardened bitches that don't give a fuck about anybody and just get a load of cats it's not that we don't need others yeah we can still we can still want them but it doesn't need to shape our own core beliefs of ourselves we can still be okay yeah because joe Dobbs doesn't like us um because we can do that for ourselves yeah yeah and then you're not so reliant on anyone well, you have the control as well. Yeah. You know, you can you can decide what what you're bothered about and what you're not. Um and you know, you just become very aware of your own process. You know, even like coming here tonight. You know, I was very nervous and I, I was mm. thinking, you know, who the fuck wants to listen to what I've got to say? You know, I yeah. who am I? Mm-hmm. But then I'm aware that that's an old thought pattern. I, I didn't really I you know, I felt it, yes. But I didn't give it a huge amount of airtime. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm aware it's an old thought pattern because I'm nervous I'm out of my comfort zone. Um, so feel free to give me all the positive feedback, everybody that's listening, because <laughs> I will relish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not that hard and she can't take a compliment. <laughs> oh, no, I love them. Absolutely love them. <laughs> but previously, I wouldn't have been able to take them. But isn't that interesting? I would have assumed. I even said in my own head on the way here, I'm going to absolutely bomb this. And if Martin does use it on his podcast, it's because he feels sorry for me. Uh-huh. And I know that's not true. Mm-hmm. And now that I've calmed down, you know, I feel much more comfortable. Yeah. So I, I, I could tell myself that this isn't true. But, you know, we're not infallible. You know, as therapists and as humans, we, even though we've, you know, we've done all the hard work and it's, it's always an ongoing process mm. we don't suddenly become like we don't care god every new client i get sometimes feels like the first one mm. the only difference is that i'm used to feeling having like the first one yeah. often yeah. and i don't judge myself for feeling imposter syndrome yeah. like i've got nothing 
to offer them. You know, it's all there every single time when I switch on that Zoom and I think, oh my goodness, who is this person going to be? They're not going to mm-hmm. understand. It's all been a fluke so far. You know, the hundreds mm-hmm. of clients that I've worked with, they just didn't see my phoniness underneath yeah. all of what I'm yeah. brilliantly presenting to them. And I guess, you know, after years of probably similarly trying to fit into the world because of what it was telling me it needed rather than telling me that it needed me yeah that I got very used to being what the world needed and I'm successful at that and you know there's a level of trying to be that for a client when you first meet them so you're always Mm. going like I need to be genuine but I need to be what they need even though I haven't even met them yet so it's like it's like an intense version of a personal relationship that mm-hmm. is both safe because it's within the you know the very familiar boundaries of the therapeutic space for us but mm. actually it's so deep that the potential even the potential for you know the fuck up I guess for the mm-hmm. f- as it not the client I mean like the situation the rupture that would arise between you and the client mm-hmm. the potential for that is huge and so you get scared mm. Because and there's a huge you care. Amount of responsibility, yeah, isn't it? And and when you get those clients that really need you, mm. they really need you. Mm. It's it's amazing, but it's so daunting. You know, we were just chatting about it before we started here, and it's it's a privilege, and it's Massive. and it's amazing, and it's you know, anyone that's a therapist that says that they just do it for the clients is absolutely bullshitting because we do get something out of it for ourselves i think it's unhealthy if you're just doing it for the clients uh, yeah absolutely it's, and we, it's, there's and we a blind spot it. there you know i it, i'm not i'm not a, a martyr you know i i do i genuinely care for my clients i genuinely wanted to get into therapy <coughs> because it changed my life and it saved my life and, you know, I will have a relationship with my therapist until the day he or I dies. I am sure of it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship like no other. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if you, if you say that you just did it, I just do it to help others. No. And it's okay to get something out of it for yourself as well. You know, I get every client session with a client is like therapy for myself. I get so much self-reflection out of it. And... I get a real ego boost. You know that when that person does not need you anymore, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. It's such a nice feeling. Yeah. And you think, I did that. Yeah. They did it too. They did most of the work. You know, I'm aware of that. But, but you provided the space for them to be able to do it. And there are tons of therapists out there that are terrible. And you think, you know, I am good. And it's the first time in my life, it, it took me years after realising what I wanted to do, after realising that, you know, cheesy as it sounds, you know, I feel like this is what I was put on the earth mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely think I'm very good at it. And I, I, it's not without struggle. It's not without effort. It's not without having all those moments of thinking, who the fuck am I to, you know, think that I can tell people how to help themselves. Yeah. But, you know, most of the time... I know I'm good at it and I know I care and I know I get a boost out of it for myself as well. Because it's hard, not despite that you, yeah. you, you know, you just landed upon this knowledge that you might want to help other people. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to help because you've suffered yourself. I don't sit in a room sort of looking at my nails going, uh-huh, mm-hmm, and how did that make you feel? Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 
shit, that was almost intentional. God, I'm I'm almost Catherine Ryan. Uh, nearly. But I'm not. You don't have as good tip. <laughs> um, and I've probably not got as big a cock. <laughs> <laughs> You're nearly as funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a, but I, I think it's okay. You know, I think there's so much of our society that people, that is not helpful to us. And particularly when it comes to ego. Yeah. You know, that it is okay to say I'm good at this. It's okay to say I like myself. It's okay to say fuck you to the person that's not good for you. Yeah. Whether they're friends, family or whoever, you don't, it just, it's okay. You don't mm-hmm. have to have them in your life. Mm-hmm. Put yourself first. You know, I often talk to clients about the fact that the word selfish needs to be redone. Because yeah. it's good. It's just self-care. You know, if you're not doing it maliciously, if you're not doing it in the intention of harming anyone else, yeah. absolutely be selfish. We need more people being selfish. Put your own gas mask on first. Yeah. Then you have more resources to help everyone else. Selfish before selfless. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the, the, the podcast before this one, love yourself, will the good of yourself... And then you'll be in a much better capacity to go and do that for those around mm-hmm. you, you know? Absolutely. It's it's both, but it starts with you because yeah. you're the only person who has had all of the experiences that you've had that yeah. actually does know and feel all of your thoughts, feelings and reactions. Mm. And you're the only person who can really have any sense of control over those, which mm. will then make you a gift to the world. But if you're operating blindly Mm. to your thoughts, feelings and emotions, then not only are you feeling a deep lack of um, connection to who you are and kind of wandering around the world just lost and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting married and popping out kids and moving up to Mm. the north, you know, kind of going, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. But and I'm you know moving on to kind of the next stage in your life, which is, you know, your separation. I guess, uh, and you let me know if you if you want to talk about this, we can delete yeah, it if okay. you do. But um, when you aren't connected to yourself and trusting your instincts, your mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings, you can become very susceptible to somebody else perhaps uh, being in control of you when you're not. Yeah. And uh, how do you feel about talking about that? No, I think it's okay. So... Um for lots of reasons to do with my own childhood the way that my parents were um i had a tendency to allow what let's just say people not treat me as well as they should um so my marriage wasn't healthy it wasn't a good marriage i didn't but i didn't have i didn't have any of the self um what's the word I didn't value myself mm-hmm. in any way at all, you know. Um, and when those doubts are there anyway, when somebody plants those seeds for them to grow, okay. fuck me, do they grow? Little comments. It's like are you a not putting on any makeup this morning? It's yeah, there. you yeah. know. Are, are you really going to wear that? Are those the shoes that you've chosen? Mm-hmm. No, right? Yes, fine. Go and do that for yourself, I suppose all this kind of stuff and it breeds and it breeds and it breeds and it breeds and became very very toxic Mm -hmm. um 
I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail because I'm I, I was I was t- talking to you the other day about my sort of own conundrums about what to bring to this podcast because I love it and I listen to so much stuff when people are so open and honest about their experiences um and I'm very passionate about working in this area of um, emotional abuse because it's such a difficult topic and it's it's so um it's awful awful like awful in every sense of the word but I, you know, I, I still have connections to these people. I still, um, have children. I still, um, mm-hmm. I'm conscious of who's going to listen. So, you know, I'll allude, I'll allude to things, but it's yeah. not something that if, um, anyone listening wanted to talk more about, I would happily talk to them about in private. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I, am. Uh, I just, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite of sort of talking about how people can, you know, open up and, yeah, express yeah. themselves in every way possible and I am a very you know I'm an oversharer <laughs> anyone can ask me anything to be honest but with this stuff it, it's 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 a sign of the abuse to be honest that I worry about the repercussions of what I say okay and uh, yeah I guess deciphering how much of that is a sign of the abuse how much of it is perhaps irrational fear mm-hmm. versus actually what is um rational and and actually you know this isn't for me to do and honoring yeah Yeah. how much you want to share and i think that some you know there is a lot of rational there's still stuff going on there's still difficulties so it's rational Mm -hmm. um to not make my life any more difficult than it already is to be honest Mm um but i've completely forgotten your question in the first place how that distance from yourself, that disconnection, yeah. that, that lack of being able to uh, trust what you're receiving from inside oh, of you that uh, means that, you know, that lack of control over mm-hmm. yourself and all that you're made up of, a body, a mind, uh, emotions, spirit, mm-hmm. the lack of connection and integration of those parts of you and therefore a sense of control over them means that you are susceptible to somebody else taking control yeah. of them and perhaps doing something with those that wasn't for your betterment. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, there are certain types of people that are really drawn to each other. There's certain types of attachment, there's certain types of uh-huh. behavioural patterns, and people that are particularly controlling or narcissistic are very attracted to people who are looking essentially to be controlled because they don't know what they want um mm-hmm. or people who um have very have low self-worth so therefore well i i often talk to clients about no matter how uncomfortable normal is it's comfortable you know that yes yeah that pattern of someone treating you in a negative way but if you are used to it you know how to behave it's comfortable yeah. because even though it feels horrible and it was a very comfortable pattern for me. I was like, I, I know how I respond. I make the effort. I do all this stuff, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it just got to a point where I, d- I couldn't do it anymore. Because there's an impact. Well, I lost. I, I didn't have myself in the first place, which mm-hmm. is partly why I ended up in this relationship. But I lost everything. Absolutely everything about myself. Any self-esteem that wasn't even really there in the first place. But mm-hmm. it was shattered. It was because it's it's like low self-esteem with an added bit of malice okay. so yeah. that 
it just shatters it. You don't have the resources to say, no, fuck off. Who are you? Mm-hmm. You go, oh, okay, I must be a piece of shit. Um, so absolutely, yeah, just fell apart. And, and then it was through therapy and actually starting with the therapist that I currently have. Like I say, I went there just going, I don't know what's wrong with me. I was yeah. so blind to it that I was like, I'm in a marriage. I'm, I've, got, I've got nothing to complain about and I am miserable. And, you know, started working with him. And then actually it was while, not long after, a few months after I started working with him, I thought, you know, I, years ago I had thought about doing this work after yes. being with you. Yeah. Um, and I thought, no, fuck it, I am going to enroll on a course and then started on this course. And um, I would say the first year of the counselling course is like therapy on acid. It is absolutely insane, intense and uh, crazy and... I mean, you get out where you put in, and I put my all into oh, it, okay. and I, yeah. um, I was very lucky. My first year tutor was incredible. I absolutely loved her. I stayed with her for a while after I qualified as a supervisor. Um, she was just a brilliant, brilliant person, and, and the self-growth, the self-reflection, everything mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was while I started training that I went, fuck, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. So a year into your therapy training? Not even. Right, okay. Uh, I don't, it must have been about, well, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was February, when I eventually made the decision. Mm-hmm. It was February 2020. Okay. And well, oh, I mean, so everyone I c- knows what happened in March 2020. Mm-hmm. And we had just split up and we were still living together. Oh my goodness. Dun, 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 lockdown. I need some sound effects. Oh, I'm not clever oh, enough. Oh, I'll just do them. Yeah, we'll bum, just do bum, bum, bum. Bum. No, bum, bum. Yeah, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. open the wine. So I drank an awful lot of wine for quite a few months um, and did a lot of Zoom and um, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, um, it happened. And although I suppose my initial reaction to divorce and everything was there was a lot of regret. There was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of, I actually went through a really difficult period of really resenting my children, mm-hmm. thinking if I hadn't had you, I wouldn't have to have communication with this person yeah. anymore. Yeah. And that was horrible because I've had so, a lot of my problems are around children, guilt and feeling not good enough. And, 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 and even working in this field is very difficult because I think, well, if I'd known all of this shit before I had children, I could have done a better yeah. job or... Yeah. Oh, they start behaving in a certain way, and you go, oh "My God, they've got a police always driver," and yeah. all of this stuff, and it's so hard. Um, but yeah, I really resented them for a bit, and you know, I don't mind saying that now. No, thanks for admitting it, because it's okay to feel difficult things about the most precious things in your life. Yeah, you know, it's both. Yeah, you, you, of course. And it was, and it a was mirror, aren't they? To and and I went through a stage of of being sort of I'm in two lives now that I don't want. I don't want to be um, a single mom where it's really hard. I don't mind not having someone in the house. That's not the issue. Yeah. I don't like having to do everything when you've got to pick one up from somewhere and someone's not made the tea and all of this and you think it'll be easier if it was someone else. Yeah. And then I don't also like it when I'm not with them and when I'm just on my own. It's two lives that I hadn't chosen. And to start off, I got into another relationship quite quickly. And um, to be honest, it was it was a brilliant relationship. It was really healing because he was everything that my ex-husband wasn't. Uh-huh. He was so loving. He was so open and honest and genuine. And 
um fucking worship the ground that i walked on like a pendulum swing yeah <laughs> and it was it was amazing and it was really healing um and it ran its course you know it, not in his mind but in mine that mm-hmm. it didn't have a future but i was okay with that um and where i'm at now is that um you know, I've dabbled in the fucking world of online dating. I mean, my God, that is just... Well, we've, we've shared a few stories. Oh, God. <laughs> what a minefield. <laughs> um, but actually, recently, I've settled with, like... It was actually, I was on your yoga retreat um, a few weeks ago, mm. and I had... I went in it with the intention of, I don't know what I want out of this, but I know yeah. something will come. And... Um, one of the biggest things I learned was, well, no wonder I can't get an answer to whether I want to be in a relationship or not because there's no question. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's something missing. I'm open to a relationship if one was to come along. Um, but because of my experiences, because of where I'm at now, because of feeling okay yeah. as being by myself, there's absolutely no way I would settle for anything that's not amazing. But I don't feel like I'm missing out. I, yeah. feel, I want something that will enhance my life. Um, but I, you know, I've got, um, I've got them in a really good place with the kids now. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. They're seven and eight year old girls who can be an absolute pain in the ass at times, but you know, I love them. I enjoy them. And even yeah. to sort of feel like that for me is amazing because yeah. of having been at that place where I was like, I wish you weren't here. Yeah. Um, I'm okay on my own. I'm okay to feel my emotions when I went into therapy i was so closed off to my emotions mm-hmm. so closed off that i couldn't even recognize them when i did feel them and when i did feel them they were really overwhelming and now i can be sad and that's okay and i can be angry and that's okay and i can just feel it and i can look after myself and i can process it and i can move on mm-hmm. um and it just feels everything's kind of where it should be right now which is quite a nice feeling yeah. <laughs> Do you feel reconnected? I wouldn't even say there's a we. I just say first time. First time. Wow. But I could say I'm a, I feel like a completely different person. When we were talking earlier about when I first met you, it doesn't mm-hmm. even feel like me. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. I never knew who I was. And now I do. I quite like me really. I think I'm alright. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like you too. Oh, and it's nice that you believe that now mm. you know really believe it yeah but mm. i don't think that i could have ed- ever done anything to make you believe that you had to do that no. yourself yeah mm. and i it think helps. that's yeah and that's where it's such a two-way process in therapy yeah because we can talk until we're blue in the face but if they're not going to do the work outside of sessions if they're not going to do the reflecting if they're not going to do the the hard bits nothing changes um, but yeah, it's absolutely a two-way process. Just a short ad break here at this point in the podcast where you can leave and return if you only have an hour to listen to the podcast, where I would like to sponsor myself on this podcast because I've chosen not to monetize it in any other way uh, for now, any, anyhow. I would like to let you know about the retreats that you heard Ali talk about earlier on in the podcast. I offer retreats in two locations at the moment, one in the UK, which is at Sedbur near Kendall, 
and I also offer a luxury version of the retreat in a place called Pinos del Valle in Andalusia in Spain. And at both of these retreats, Amram and I cater for all of your food needs. We organize excursions and of course there is yoga on a daily basis, sometimes twice a day. And we also offer energy therapies, massage, so it's the perfect place for you to get away from the stresses and pressures of your life and take some time to invest in yourself as Ali talked about being so necessary to actually look at what's going on in your life and notice these things that perhaps aren't going so well and, and why they're there and, and trying to find new ways to let go of those uh, non-serving ways of being as well as looking at the parts of your life that actually are going well because this is always the case and during that time that you explore yourself through the various practices on offer in beautiful surroundings eating nourishing and healthy food you can also connect with other people who are on a journey similar to you all being there together in a very special place held by those who are trained and very passionate about holding you in that space and to come out of the retreat with knowledge about yourself in terms of being able to move forward more connected more inspired more whole and integrated and hopeful about what the future has in store for you and how you can consciously choose what comes to you in the future so that you can live free of all those things that hold you back so if you're interested in joining Amram and I on these beautiful and nourishing retreats then please visit my website martinblacklock.com and visit the events section and you'll see that we have some retreats in Sedva in February and August 2023 and we're running two events in uh, Pinos del Valle in Andalusia, April and June next year, although the June event is now full and we're about two thirds full for, um, for the April event. You'll be back in time for Easter, so don't worry about that. It's in the school holidays. We would love to see you there, so please come and invest in you because you are so worth it. Thank you even if we take the six years since we met mm -hmm. and the lack of value that you felt for yourself mm -hmm. to the point that your life was so worthless that you would have considered it, that you did consider ending it. Mm -hmm. With all of the knowledge that you really did love your, your, your two girls and, mm -hmm. and that life was for, worth fighting for, this kind of knowledge and maybe a deeper knowing and for me, your ability to connect with and, and take some control over your emotions, all of them, is mm. what has bridged that connection between what you knew deep down, mm -hmm. what actually was always there, mm -hmm. and for you to actually feel it now. And yeah. to, you know, th that is enough. Yeah. And that the, the behaviours that were trying to help you get there that sometimes involved avoiding emotions that were scary and unfamiliar, mm -hmm. i.e. trying to seek it through another's validation, through another's love, mm. that still, that tendency is still there. Mm -hmm. Even Absolutely. as recently as, you know, 
telling and people free. to give me good feedback on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that's okay because that was a survival mechanism. Yeah. You're alive, right? <laughs> well, absolutely. It brought you to therapy a couple of times, well, several times. Yeah. You know, I really do think that we're always trying to find a way to love ourselves. And yeah. that a part of that process is to do that through others. Mm-hmm. But we have to be able to recognize that our suffering is still valuable because yeah. at least it's telling us what's not for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I really agree with what you've just said that um, it was the disconnect from my emotions that was the problem. Mm-hmm. It was the not knowing who I was, what I wanted, what I thought, what I felt. Like I felt nothing. I felt miserable, but I felt nothing. Uh-huh. I actually felt worse. I often say to clients, you're going to feel worse before you feel better. Oh. Because all these emotions that you're shut off from, mm-hmm. they're gonna, you're going to start feeling them. When I first started feeling sad, that was like, I don't think I'd ever felt sad in my life. I didn't come here and pay for this, for I that. Know, it was horrible. <laughs> my therapist kept saying, for, honestly, he was hilarious. Am I allowed to say his name? Because I want to give him, like... Uh, you might need to check with him before we post it. You've got a couple of days. Oh, I don't think he'll care. Um, so <laughs> David Gibbons, he's absolutely brilliant. He's based in Carlisle. And um, he would say things to me like, you're so angry. I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm all right. He's like, you're so angry. He would try and piss me off. So he, he threw, saw it He actually me. threw a cushion at me once. <laughs> it's like trying to piss me off. And I was just so disconnected that I was like, no, I'm all right. And he's like, you're literally... Bo-. And then, eventually, mm-hmm. the anger started coming. And then it was, what was the anger about? And is it really recent? And then when you can move past the anger, then you start to go, actually, I'm just really sad. Yeah. I'm just really hurt. But it's you, you can't bypass the anger. No. You kind of have to go through it. Oh, you have to do it. Because feel... I think the anger only comes when you start to value yourself. Yeah. Because you can only feel angry when you start to think, well, I didn't deserve that. Yes. And then, so then you get pissed off at people for the way they've treated you. And then you start to value yourself even more and you start to go, okay, I'm over that anger, but actually now I'm just sad. Mm-hmm. Well, I d- that wasn't okay. But the, the, the difference is that now, you know, I can feel the emotions. Like I was saying earlier, it's not, we're not infallible. We don't not have these negative emotions, but they're, they feel they're okay. Yeah. They're, no, they're but nobody doesn't, uh, nobody is without them. Yeah. These were given to us like the skin that surrounds our skeleton and organs mm. and muscles, like our eyes that help us see, the taste, the touch. These are senses. Emotions are uh, signposts to mm-hmm. the truth of our experience. You know, for me, I, I mean, I realise that I exist in a world that, you know, predominantly is, is dealing with all of these different aspects of who we are and trying to use them. And, you know, for me, obviously I recognise how... Um, if people aren't aware of this because it's not being given to them in terms of knowledge or experience, that they wouldn't mm-hmm. recognise the value of emotions. But for me, they're as valuable as your sight, as your sound, Absolutely. as your taste. You know, the it's a sense that tells you what's going on in the world and probably one of the most important. Oh, it's your, it's your complete inner core. It's your inner knowings of what's going on and i think we all have them but whether we can see them it's like we we create these walls and these um defenses because they hurt Mm -hmm. and because we know that when we feel them it's going to hurt so the brain goes fucking hell don't feel that 
focus on switching that light switch on five times a day. Yes. That's more just important. Something else. Just don't do it. Yeah. And and it's that that's a lot of what the therapeutic relationship does is goes, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to feel them. And actually you you know, it will feel shit, but then you'll feel and that's better. Okay. And when you're shut off from your emotions, you're shut off from all of them. You're not just shut off from the crap ones, you're shut off from the good ones too. So what I've noticed in myself, I feel a lot more joy. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot more love. I feel a lot more happiness and contentment and all the good things. Yeah. Because when I was closed off, I was just closed off from them all. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's, you can't get to pick and choose which ones. Like, oh, I'm just not going to feel scared, but I don't mind feeling the rest. You know, it, it's all or nothing with emotions. And I think it's really important to add in as well that your survival mechanism of closing off from your emotions was because what is familiar is safe Mm -hmm. and so you know let's not berate that version of you i I know you're not saying that but there can be this sense can't they it's like oh well i just need to feel everything and be open and do that and it's like no 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 like the 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 shutting off is really important but yeah the the and this control over yourself is the ability to choose absolutely it's it's another input Mm. it's not the and it's important to thank your defenses as well they've kept you safe you know mine have kept me literally alive yeah and that's okay and it's okay to go do you know what that's how i survived for the last however many years you've done me proud you know you've done a good job you've done what you were there to do yes i don't need you anymore or i'll choose when i need you i might you know put you back up when i'm in a difficult situation but when i'm with my friends or when i'm in a safe safe place i'll take you down Mm -hmm. and it's having that choice of when you take them down and when you put them up rather than them controlling you mm-hmm. you know yeah. i don't i don't do work to sort of break people's defenses down we, we work with them we thank them we we decide when when we want to use them mm-hmm. because they've been helpful yeah um it's not about making people completely naked and uh, vulnerable and terrified of life yeah it's going oh no you choose you you take the reins and that's a really interesting link to how our relationship, for me, represents the um, possibilities that there can be for not just you know other relationships between two people mm-hmm. in all kinds of different circumstances and the work that's required to evolve it into what's needed, but that relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I value our relationship when we were counsellor and client. Mm-hmm. I value our relationship as colleagues that took account of, the, you know, the previous relationship that we had. And some of the, what might seem like um, onerous conversations about, you know, I'm going to get in touch with you before we go to this meeting mm-hmm. to check that you're all right with the fact that we're going to be discussing X, Y, Z. And mm-hmm. Are you okay me acknowledging you as somebody that I know? Or mm-hmm. should we say that we're friends? Should we say that we have, you know, an existing like professional mm-hmm. connection? You know, and it might seem onerous, but it was worth that investment mm-hmm. in order to make what we had to go and do as effective as possible. Yeah. And, you know, that's just one example. But when you relay that, sorry, when you um, compare that to one's relationship with themselves, it's about saying, you know, who you were then, six years ago, was somebody lost, 
switched mm-hmm. off from their emotions well there's no way that maybe you would have been able to get to that therapy room and get to mm. having your children and and feed them and and, and mm-hmm. clothe them and and turn up for all of the day-to-day tasks had you not been switched off yeah you know? yeah and it was a survival mechanism yeah, yeah. and you know you did the hard work of stepping into that unknown territory and pushing your boundaries of what felt possible for you. Mm-hmm. This idea that six years ago you were stepping into a process kind of unconsciously, I guess, but just Absolutely, needing, yeah. like trusting your instinct that took you to the, that session. Something to happen, yeah. You know, and, and, and also being able to go to that yoga class knowing that I was there, knowing mm-hmm. things about you that and our work you know it certainly wasn't you you weren't like a finished product if that's ever the case you know mm-hmm. you you went back into your life with an additional awareness and mm-hmm. and sense that somebody could value you and i'm wondering if part of what you needed was that ongoing connection with me in a different form mm. to w- work on being you in different ways mm. trusting that maybe i was always going to be that accepting loving person that you'd seen but Mm. you know that you you were able to trust yourself and me Mm -hmm. that we could evolve this Mm. in a way that was healthy yeah I mean I absolutely wouldn't have been a conscious thought but I'm wondering if that's part of the reason why you know like for me our relationship is very precious and I wonder like when you were just talking then I was thinking yeah well you've accepted me not only like in that one part of being completely low and awful mm-hmm. and not just when I've, I've not just come back to you and gone, Hey, I'm good now, mm-hmm. but in all the different forms in between yeah. and all the difficult sort of like, relationships with other people and, you know, twisting and turning. And, you know, there's been times that we haven't talked to each other for a while and then we've talked to each other quite a lot and everything in between. So I wonder if it wasn't like a sort of, intentional thought but Mm -hmm. probably absolutely the the outcome and I guess in the same way that that's kind of what as therapists we're like that we accept people when you know they come Mm in one week and they're like one thing and they come in another week like like something completely different and you can sort of you know question you know what's really going on for you rather than being like well fuck off you were you weren't like this last week yeah I don't want to see you anymore I can't deal with you being like this complete (laughs) acceptance all the time yeah yeah um an acceptance of you know we're terrible for cancelling on each other all the time and i never worry (laughs) about cancelling we both do it to just go whether it's that something else has come up or whether it's just i can't be asked yeah and it being okay and i genuinely know that you i don't you're one of the few people that i i don't even make an excuse i'll just say i don't don't want want to to. yeah (laughs) And I'm like brilliant because there, f- there she is being her. Yeah. You know, and thank you for being for genuine. I don't need to well. question anything. Then yeah. I know what I'm getting. Great, it's a relief for me. I work hard to be that. But way, I think but... as well, you can turn it round that when when you've got a relationship like that, you know that when you do see each other, you both really want to. Exactly. Because I would never question you spending time with me when you don't want to, feeling obligated to. Yes. Because I know you do it as much as I do. Yeah. That if you couldn't be asked and you didn't want to, you would just say, "I can't be asked and I don't want to." Yeah. And that's you. You know, that's an amazing part of a relationship when you can be like that Absolutely. and know that the other person isn't going to turn it into something it's not and take it face value. And 
and accept that the other person like you know it, we we both sort of cheer each other when we do that yes. good, good for you yeah well done you being shit yeah you know? absolutely <laughs> or, or just real yeah and actually well done you being fully authentic in that moment and you know today you give me feedback on mm-hmm. the previous podcast of course I felt the knot in my stomach I've done something wrong mm-hmm. I haven't got it right I haven't attended to every single potential listeners you know and, and and you didn't need to say that because the way that you worded the message I already knew that you were attending to a sense of um, my stuff being triggered even though that doesn't really belong in our relationship mm-hmm. but you still attended to it and you didn't not send the message mm-hmm. because that would be doing a disservice to yourself but ultimately it would be a disservice to me because you want to help me by being honest mm-hmm. and I'm there saying give me the feedback and I mean I want it and maybe I should caveat particularly give me the stuff that you think I don't want because mm-hmm. that's the stuff that I probably need the most and well and you relish it and you grow from it and you know yeah. you've got enough of your own gumption that can take it and mm-hmm. can go and can notice and this is the thing and I think I'm the same as well now having gone so far through the process if I am getting like a negative kickback or if I am getting a bit of like you know, like a, like I say, on the way here, feeling like, who the fuck wants to listen to my story? Yeah. Questioning it, going, what's that? Yeah, what Where is that? Just for a moment, I'm not going to let not you listening take over. To it, yeah. yeah, not letting it take over, not listening to it, not believing it, mm-hmm. but going, whoa, whoa what's this? Yeah. And go, oh, okay, that's that thing. That's yeah. all right, that'll go in a bit. You know, and I think it's similar for you with that process. And yeah, and just being able to sort of take that negative in inverted commas constructive criticism yeah, as yeah. constructive criticism yeah oh and one of the most difficult things for me and again it's this fear of getting it wrong which i would never have learned had i not stepped into it and took the risk is when i go to supervision and and i i tell my supervisor for anybody that's listening that's not aware of counseling supervision it's essentially counseling for counselors part of it is helping us figure out our own process as a counselor as as a healer as a therapist supporting other but also kind of some practical aspects coming Mm. from a more experienced person where they can help you and it's a requirement of probably any reputable counsellor that wants to do a good job that they engage in in regular supervision um, it's a legal requirement of the BACP and it yeah. definitely is yeah if you want to belong to certain regulatory uh, voluntarily voluntary regulatory organizations that they that you have this um so in our supervision we have to turn up as authentically as possible and I usually find that what I'll ask myself before supervision, what don't I want her to know? Mm. And then I go and talk about that oh, wow. um, because I'm hardcore and I know that pushing those edges is where the juicy stuff is. It's mm-hmm. where the growth is. And of course, it comes with all of the emotions that I don't want to feel. They're the ones that I need to feel. And part of that was telling her about our evolving relationship and of course, she gave me the standard answers as an experienced, um, you know, kind of uh, guiding person in my life would. And then, you know, she would say to me genuinely as well, you know, I trust you. I know you're the kind of person that can manage this transition mm. and this transition and this transition. 
and you know we have that kind of connection ourselves even though you know me and my supervisor are still engaged in a, a professionally bound relationship there's a deep love and care mm -hmm. and you know I, I do think that the counseling relationship the the, the counseling dynamic in whichever form it presents is is that safe space a test lab for you to try out ways of being knowing that you're going to be accepted mm -hmm. and allows you to expand your view of who you are and to try that out and it's just such a just such a wonderful um of course we would say this but it's just such a wonderful gift to mm -hmm. have that accepting space where you can you know see yourself i mean my supervisor one of the things she said to me early on in in, in my uh, my training was I wish you could see what I see because I oh, think wow. you would like it and and I've tried my hardest to see what she sees I'm sure you've said that to me before mm, I've stolen you've it. definitely told me I'm so glad you can now see yeah. what we've been able to see mm. and it's interesting what you say about supervision and, and I think it's it's so important in like you say with the sort of having that as an example relationship of how things should be, you know, bringing the thing that you don't want to bring, that mm -hmm. vulnerability, that... And um, I've had the same thing. I actually recently changed my supervisor because um, my current supervisor couldn't do the day I needed to do. And so that's always a, a strange dynamic, moving on to, like, a new mm -hmm. person who doesn't know anything about you. And, um, you know, the regulations are that you have to do this once a month. Mm -hmm. And so I did my what are we in now august i did my july one as the first one mm -hmm. and um i had really bad kickback really bad kickback that i felt i'm so bad at this job what am i doing and i was sort of really sat with it really thought what is this mm -hmm. is this what where has this come from and i and i decided it was because this woman knew nothing about me and i've just sat there and talked about all the things that i'm finding difficult in work Okay. And none of the things that I've done well, none of the things, and I thought she's going to think I'm so shit because mm -hmm. I was saying earlier that's my default position that I'm crap. Yeah. So I did the thing, which I've got much better at doing. I've practiced this a lot in my own therapy that I bring the thing that I don't want to talk about, or I bring the thing that, um, you know, I, I remember having a big, a big kind of issue with my therapist there. He'd really pissed me off. I uh -huh. can't remember what about. Uh -huh. and I sort of stewed over it and stewed over it. I thought I need to tell him and it was so uncomfortable but I did the thing I, I remember you thing. were asking me about this yeah, yeah I honestly can't remember what it was uh -huh. um, but and it was it was so amazing for the relationship you know he was so uh, it was it, he was like I didn't mean to I'm so sorry you know and that is where the growth comes and yes. that's where you know you can recognise that actually you should be able to do that to anyone yeah. you should be able to say you've really pissed me off and then not say Oh, fuck off. Mm -hmm. mm, it's your yeah. stuff. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to. And so anyway, I said to this supervisor, um, when I saw her last week, it's my second time, I said, Oh, I need to tell you that I got a really bad kickback after the last mm. one. And she you know, and her reaction was not dismissive. It wasn't anything that you would kind of think that might happen. It was just like, what can we do about this? You know, what is there something I've done? Is there something I've said? Yeah. And um, and so, you know, we've decided that it's something I used to do with my old supervisor that I completely forgot about. We bring a brag. You know, she said, we'll start and finish every session on, you know, what is, what's gone really well. Yes. What are you really proud of? Mm -hmm. 
and it's so important and it's just like you say all counseling relationships whether it's counselor client counselor supervisor they're such deep relationships and they're so loaded mm-hmm. that um they're, they're very very safe but also very very vulnerable because you are like so nakedly yourself uh-huh. in mm-hmm. them yeah and they need that work around mm. the kind of content of what you're discussing to create that safety mm-hmm. and I, I shared something on facebook today from the lights of kabbalah i'll share this page actually on my group it's amazing um and it said that you know a relationship words to this effect a relationship isn't strong until it's been broken oh, well, yeah. and and then of course you've got the quite um popular imagery of the japanese um the japanese pottery art kintsugi where the pottery breaks and they put it back together with gold and it you know because it's broken uh and then being put back together it becomes something more beautiful and stronger Mm -hmm. and like with scar tissue you know it's Mm -hmm. it's much tougher and more resilient and it only came because of a wound Mm -hmm. and you know i think the the potential for ruptures can definitely be um you know protected uh but let them happen yeah as well and Absolutely. and then go and talk about that and i think as we start to wrap up the session um some of my final thoughts on it are that it's about recognizing that the i've mentioned this actually in previous podcasts and i talk about it in therapy all the time but there's this third entity between two people which is the relationship mm-hmm. you know if you think about it like a legal contract you talk about you know the the combined entity and then the, the two individuals that contribute to it mm-hmm. and it needs investment that third entity that thing that exists between you that is made up of both of you needs investment in it it needs care Mm. it needs attention or it won't thrive Mm -hmm. you know and it can then become a container for the two parts that make um that 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 um it uh that comprise it Mm -hmm. um and vice versa and you're going in and out of this and it's so important that you have those conversations that you have the boundaries whatever they form or just these places where you can say how you feel and you know the other person's going to hear it Mm -hmm. but you have to do the work on yourself in order to have some capacity to be able to attend to the relationship's needs but it's worth doing Mm. because it will then hold you and help you when you're struggling and vice versa but I think it's important to say as well that it doesn't mean that it's going to work, you know, like, okay. because yes. it doesn't mean that every relationship, if you put the effort in, if you do all this stuff, if you become really vulnerable and you, you know, okay with the ruptures, it doesn't mean that that relationship is going to, whether it's romantic, whether it's friendship, family, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to put your all into it, but if it doesn't work, that's also okay. And that person wasn't the right person. Yes. You know, you can't, our relationship has formed so well because of, yes, the effort that we've both put in, but also who we are as people. Yeah. Um, Because it's it's not to say that if a relationship doesn't work, that you've in some way not done enough. Sometimes people are just shit. (laughs) (laughs) A sign of the ongoing work in some of your relationship (laughs) dynamics, I guess, that... And yeah, I'm like that with some people too. Um, but they're not your people. 
No, know? absolutely. And that's what I mean. So yeah. if it doesn't work with one, it doesn't mean that it won't work with another. Absolutely. But don't, Go and know, do it again. Don't flog a dead horse. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't do all the fucking work. No. It's two way. Like you've just said, it's yeah. if when both people want to do it, when, it, when both people are accepting and open and honest. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean that you've been any way failed. Yeah. If a relationship doesn't work, it just wasn't right. And that's also okay. Yeah. I'm smiling because I'm back at Guru Amram from <laughs> episode two, where he said, you know, very um, uh, simplistically, you know, be yourself, be genuine. Mm. Don't waste your time on doing anything else. Because if those people who are around you don't accept you as they are, then they're not your people. Yeah, just tell them to fuck off. Hey. It's really healing to say fuck off sometimes. I did have a client today that said, um, right, so I just need to go home and tell everyone my therapist tells me to tell you all to fuck off. <laughs> I was like, no, maybe not. <laughs> I'm not sure I've entirely got my point. I was like, do it if you want to. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but own it. Yeah. I only brought that out in you because it was already in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ali, thank you so much for telling us your uh, very inspiring story and it's just so wonderful to be able to be such a part of your such a significant still part mm-hmm. of your life in in the different ways that I am and I, I think it you know most uh, therapists most counselors would love to continue to be involved in their clients lives and mm. there are some healthy boundaries that exist where that might not be appropriate but mm-hmm. I know that we have earned the right through the you know the five yeah. or so years since we ended that part of our relationship and it's evolved we've earned the right to be able to sit here and enjoy this yeah. and I think it's a, a really um, uh, inspiring message to give to people that actually if you do put the work in and the person that you're putting the work in uh, yeah. in into a relationship with yeah. is is also doing that and sometimes not equally but overall that there is give and take that you can create something very special and mm-hmm. um it's been such a pleasure to be able to sit with you and kind of dissect some of this stuff that we know is going on and mm-hmm. um you know hear more about your individual story now mm-hmm. um and 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 uh through the lens of our relationship um and, and what we do so thank you so much for that you're welcome thank you for inviting me on it's been uh it's been a pleasure but also um it, it slightly baffles me that you even invited me on but i'm i'm starting to own it that you know maybe mm. some people might like what i've got to say so well it's I all improvement i think that they will see some of what I have always seen in you, which Mm. I know that you picked up on through my eyes, through my, Mm -hmm. you know, through my hugs, through my words, all of that kind of thing. It was always about trying to give you that back because Mm -hmm. it's very clear to me who you are. And, you know, I work very hard on the goodness in me. I work very hard on loving myself, the good, bad and the ugly. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to see all of that in other people. Mm -hmm. And I will, you know, also take um, credit for my investment in you that has created you know a 
one of many platforms that has allowed you to be able to see yourself mm. with all of the goodness that always shone out of you um, to me. Mm -hmm. And it really is, you know, the biggest gift ever back for any investment that I put into you, that you see some of what I see in you now and that mm -hmm. you own that and you shine so much more brightly because you do see it and you mm. believe in it. And, you know, I really believe that what we have done here today will allow other people to connect with that inside of them through mm. some of the stories that you've told and hopefully will inspire them to, you know, move into some of their other relationships a bit more connected to themselves, however they choose to do that um, and create this ripple effect through the world that I'm very passionate that this podcast provides mm. uh, space, inspiration, ideas um you know connection to others to, to do because that that's what it's all about we're all here to guide each other Absolutely. home um to ourselves that's why there's seven odd billion of us and even if one person so. just turns around and says do you know what i'm fucking excellent and that's that's the goal yeah it, really yes well you just did well i bloody am <laughs> <laughs> job done <laughs> checks in the post Okay, well, once again, thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I can't believe that we're four podcast episodes in. Mm. Um, you were definitely a guest that I was really excited to, to have on here. And again, you know, my, um, my good little boy uh, self-concept is being challenged here because I'm already thinking that, you know, oh, talking on a podcast to anybody about a relation, you know, personal relationship you develop with a client. It's like a big no-no and there'll mm -hmm. be all this judgment there. But I'm confident enough that we've done what needs to be done to be here and be able to be open about that. I'm proud of the work that we've put into being able to sit here and have this you know, very special connection. And I think it's important to actually put out there as well that much as we both openly push boundaries, we are extremely ethical in the way that we work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, uh, we're both part of all the sort of rewarding bodies and abide by all the codes of conduct that we should do. Yeah. It's just that there is room for manoeuvre within those. Yeah. Um, we don't do anything that is in any way harmful we have the best intentions for ourselves and others at the, at the root of it all uh, absolutely and you know when i think a very clear message well i hope that a very clear message has come through here is that the recognition of the importance of boundaries and the discussion of them mm -hmm. therefore creates the safety for you to be able to be as free as you like and I think that's what we really push them right to the edges rather than break them. It's not about exactly. breaking them, it's about questioning them and about, yeah. you know, doing your own thing mm -hmm. within moral guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. And, and questioning those absolutely. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Question everything. Question, question. And if you have any questions or feedback for me or Ali, then I, as always my um i welcome any messages of, of feedback questions anything at all i really do i can handle the uh the ego bruise that i might suffer if it's not martin you're amazing mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and if it's ali you're amazing feel, please feel free to send it, it send it directly to her <laughs> um i will share ali's um 
web page on the uh, on the podcast uh, links, content, and everything, um, and a few other bits that we've mentioned today. And thank you so much for listening. It's quite a long episode, but I hope that you feel that your time investment has been worthwhile. And uh, thank you all for listening. And thank you, Alan. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay, so that's four podcasts in. I'm really enjoying this. It's nice to have the guests. It's nice to do the solo episodes. I have an amazing guest for you next week. Phil is going to talk about the varying demands of being a mum, head of HR, a wife, a friend. And she talks a lot about how the people around her have insisted through their love of her that she should recognise her worth, her importance. It's come through facing some really difficult losses in her life and acknowledging some really difficult aspects of who she is that she's been able to finally see that she is indeed important and I'm sure you're going to love her story and she's loads of fun. A bit like Ali in some ways but a different story. I hope that you're enjoying these podcasts as I mentioned several times. Please do let me know what you think of the podcast. If you have any questions or feedback for me, please send it to my email address, martinblacklock at gmail.com. You can also connect with me through the various social media links on Facebook and Instagram. And I am excited to continue sharing all of what has inspired me with the people around me and some of my own stuff. I'm going to share a solo podcast in the next few days, a bonus episode on the challenges that I and some of my friends have faced with attention deficit disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So look out for that one over the next few days and I hope that you all have a wonderful week. And in the meantime, as always, get strong, stay open, kind and grateful. Lots of love. Bye-bye.